Hey everyone, and welcome to our second interview-based episode of PTPOV. Today on the podcast, we have two very special guests, Dr. Joe DeHope and Dr. Dylan Bassett, who are here to discuss our impressions of how residency helped us all launch our careers. Joe and Dylan were my co-ortho residents at Creighton, the same cohort as Kara Carley and I, so while we have similar experiences, we all have slightly different perspectives. Today we discuss clinical benefits of residency, residency training compared to specialization, and maybe some conflicting advice on who should pursue residency. It was so fun having some old friends together shooting the shit, so we really hope you enjoy. Dylan, Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thrilled to be here. <laughs> uh, let's start with what have you guys been up to since residency? So let's start with Joe. All right. Uh, right after we, we finished up in Nebraska, I moved back to Tennessee where I took an outpatient ortho job that was, it was probably 80% outpatient orthopedics. A uh, little bit of inpatient coverage as well, uh, some weekend coverage, and then when they were they were understaffed in the hospital, I would I would go in and help out. Uh, and then around end of June, start of July of last year, I took a new position, uh, moved from Tennessee to Colorado Springs, where I'm now uh, the embedded physical therapist for an Air Force unit that's stationed out here. So pretty uh, pretty big shakeup, big change, a lot of fun. That's so cool. Can't wait to hear more about that. Dylan, what have you been up to? I'm um, well, straight out of residency. I started with a smaller private outpatient orthopedics and sports clinic. Um, was there for about eight months and then kind of learned the private life wasn't for me. Um, started with and started an outpatient clinic at a hospital where I did a clinical rotation where it's mostly outpatient. And on your downtime, if you have cancels, you would go see inpatients. Um, since that has been going, I switched to PRN there as I was presented with a 50% faculty position at the university where I went at KU Med, and we'll start there this summer with anatomy class. Very cool. We're excited. Exciting, exciting. Okay, uh, so... This is a question for everyone. Anybody can start, but I want to start with how do you guys feel residency has helped launch your career? Uh, how I feel it launched my career was they always talked about the initial, I don't know what to do, right? That feeling of kind of imposter syndrome that you get when you first get out of school. Uh, we got through that pretty quickly with residency because I felt really dumb during residency as I was getting told you know, maybe try this, what else are you doing or how else could you do? Um, and since kind of getting through those speed bumps and now getting to be on my own for the most part with patients, it's, I always know, you know, at least what I can do or at least the resources I can probably reach out to, to see if I can get more uh, input on the patients I've seen. Yeah. I feel like piggybacking off of that, like confidence was a huge thing of, just knowing that I could apply for any job, any orthopedic job, and that I would be okay, whether I would be the best one there is questionable, but whether I would be self-sufficient and have know what resources that I had 
and have people to reach out to if I really struggled was huge for even just going into an interview as a, even having one year of experience under your belt, that was really a quality experience and knowing that you could hold your own. That was really big for me. Yeah. My, my experience was similar uh, as you, Maggie, coming out. I was the only PT in the outpatient clinic that I was working at. So it was, uh, it was separate offsite of the main hospital. And so, you know, I was a fairly newer clinician at the time, uh, supervising one PTA in the clinic, but a little bit on an island there, but coming out of residency, I felt 100% confident that, you know, I was going to be able to, to go in and, and be able to at least, you know, hang on and, and be able to, you know, not run the clinic myself, but, but be fine kind of on, on that island and, and be able to supervise another, another clinician in my first kind of full-time practice job. And then I was also able uh, to start doing some adjunct teaching uh, right out of residency for my DPT program as well. Not quite uh, 50% FTE like big time Dylan there, but uh, <laughs> it, is, it is funny that uh, anatomy is the class coming up this quarter that I'll also be helping with uh, this go around. So um, I would say residency helped kind of in both, both those realms, kind of staying in a little bit of academia and then also in clinical practice. I think for me, residency really not only gave me the confidence to go out to my first job post-residency, but it honestly gave me the confidence to better value what I bring to the table. And I would say that it gave me the confidence to quit my first job post-residency and find something better because I knew that I deserved more than what I was uh, being given at my first job. So that's huge. That was huge for you. Yeah, I honestly might not have had that confidence and might have just been like, you know what, like I'm a new grad. This is kind of just like where I'm at right now. This is the game that I have to play. But it was like, damn it, I did residency. Like I deserve better than this. And I left and found something better. And like I said, that was something that I probably wouldn't have had hadn't I had I not done residency. It's a slow clap for you. Good work. I, res I resonate with that a lot too, because I was in the same position where I was like, uh, I don't like this. Uh, there's something else better <laughs> for me out there. Let's go look for that. I think a lot of people get stuck in that, in that swamp. Like I, I know somebody off the top of my head that probably stayed at their job for too long because they felt obligated to, and they felt loyalty to the clinic, but it burned them out. And yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys got out. Heck yeah. No, know your worth. <laughs> what about you, Carls? Um, honestly, I. I think you guys all hit the nail right on the head. I, I really like that um, I can get pretty much any human being assigned onto my caseload in the neuro world and um, feel like I am probably the best person to handle it. And if not, I know some really best people <laughs> to handle it. I'm also really, really good at best. grammar. You're the really, really best. best you, you really grammar. are the really best. <laughs> also a perk of residency the real best i feel like we always end up recording these on when it's like 11 p.m carly time or she's worked 12 days in a row <laughs> one day carly you get to pick the day and time okay you know what the people should know that tired is just a baseline personality trait for me at this point that's <laughs> fine comes with the package <laughs> oh gosh um, okay, what opportunities do you all feel like you had from because you did residency that you wouldn't otherwise have had? And I know I feel like Dylan specifically has 
has a good one. So we'll start with, I'm going to just, oh, yeah. I'm just going to select. <laughs> That's fine. I'm That's fine. Dylan. I did make some notes right before we started. Uh, so the, the big thing was the teaching experience, right? Uh, I remember the very first time we got into lab with residency and I was in a much smaller program than Creighton was. And when they put us on a camera and they put a microphone on us and said, Hey, teach these kids. I said, crap. Well, actually I said, shit. <laughs> and and I, and I, I looked around and I was like, this is this big, huge lab. There's 80 kids in here. And I keep saying kids when like probably 50% were older than me. And, <laughs> and it was such a crazy experience that looking at where we started and looking at where we finished with the teaching aspect. And the other thing that Maggie and Joe probably got to see a lot was like, I was like on the sidelines for our research project. And now I'm like participating in a pretty big research trial. And I'm like, I'm the research nerd at my, my, my clinic. Like, and so it's, it's, it's crazy that experience and dealing with that, that led into the opportunities with teaching at KU now, cause I could pitch that experience. I got a great recommendation and I even had feedback on papers that they literally gave us during our time when we were teaching at Creighton. And, and so it's great to look back on that now. And I'm continuing even while we're doing this to try and stop saying, uh, and, and some of that feedback is something that crosses my mind because I, I throw a lot of those in there. So, yeah. Oh gosh, this is taking me back. You know, I think COVID was in charge and we were on the sidelines for our research. So True. I don't think that was. Salty that was fourth here. author, salty fourth <laughs> author thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, COVID primary author. <laughs> that, no, that's, that's real. That's very real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like teaching was another one that maybe I just had more confidence to apply for, or now that Creighton's opening in Phoenix, it definitely makes you more attractive to teach in lab when you can say, yeah, I've taught all of this in lab before, where other clinicians who have a year of experience don't even have that time or that opportunity when they're trying to work 40 hours a week. It's hard to get into lab otherwise and get into that academic role even if it's not a full full-time or even part-time just a adjunct status i'm not doing a formally formal teaching but um i jumped right into taking students from uh universities as a ci and in no other universe would i as a one-year clinician felt confident in uh guiding a young human to become a physical therapist but <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna put on my mentor hat. Let's do this. And CI credentialed Carly. <laughs> Thank you. Doesn't it feel weird to do that? I want my, my student, one time I ended up with a full page of feedback and I was like, I'm turning into Joel. This is, this is happening to me. <laughs> Wine Wednesdays for recovery from feedback. <laughs> I was like, it's happening. I didn't, I told myself I would never do this, but here I am. And she's a first year student. <laughs> Yikes. Did you do that, Poor Carly? Girl. Uh, no. <laughs> no, ma'am. I feel like when you're in rehab, though, you're just trying to make sure that your student doesn't kill anyone. And an outpatient, it's like, I literally, once they're independent, you have nothing to do but sit there on your computer. And you're like, yeah, I'm observing. And I've already, like, yeah, I've signed all the notes. I'm just sitting here. And if I wasn't sitting here, I'm, I'm writing feedback. So better watch out yeah a little different 
Well, different. Goal one, keep alive. Goal two, keep off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Goal three, to the house. <laughs> I will jump in and say when I was when I was treating an inpatient, I I set every every patient's ambulation uh, distance record when I was in there uh, covering. Everybody seemed to like double or triple the distance they walked when I was there and had zero on, like, falls or drops. Did drill Sergeant Joe with the stopwatch? <laughs> No, I was, I was extremely pleasant. I just think that they, they had a feeling that uh, I was not going to let them fall because I was twice, if not three times the size of all of those patients. And I just never asked them if they were ready for a break. We just kept walking until they said they needed one. And so if they didn't ask, I didn't give. And look at that. We just tripled your walking distance from Tuesday. That's, that's stone cold Joe to you. <laughs> Hundred percent. But to be fair, I want to make sure I, I highlight anytime they ask for a break, gave it to them on the spot, no questions asked. I don't know if I believe that. You should. Do you really? Do you really need you a break? Do you really need a break? We're in the middle of the hallway. We're a hundred feet away from your room. No, that's when you say, "Okay, then uh, we're practicing a floor recovery transfer." Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I got as far as I know good good feedback from uh from the patients while while i was there so i got no like reprimands but i think i do fit better in my current practice environment that's that's probably fair to say all right uh anybody else did kara did you say no i go? didn't okay um, go for it it echoes a lot of what everybody else said i've had the opportunity since i am also in phoenix and also waiting for creighton to open their pt campus but um in the meantime i have had the opportunity to lecture at midwestern university in uh, glendale which is basically phoenix so that's been something that's been really cool too and um it's a great program and i think just living in the phoenix area has given a lot of opportunities because there's like a billion pt schools here <laughs> and they're always looking for people especially with that specialization credential at the end of the name especially if they don't have a terminal degree i think it's a really good way to get ahead if you wanted to get into the academic world and start with teaching just be a guest lecturer help out with labs things like that so that was definitely an opportunity that was brought to me with that and networking because otherwise but beyond that like finding a job here like we were looking for jobs during COVID like it was kind of like yeah that was what, what can I get right now there wasn't really a whole lot of negotiation power none a lot of zero companies, yeah a lot of companies just were not hiring and it was like please hire me how about we give you a job yeah I yeah, will okay. take it <laughs> no questions asked <laughs> you're gonna unless pay it's commission-based fine <laughs> Yeah. And that's, you know, why I also only lasted eight months at my first job. So retweet. <laughs> yeah. Did, did any of you actually get your job because you had completed residency? No. That you know of. I think they would have hired me anyway. If I had an interest in pelvic floor, they would have been like, all right. Yeah. Well, we can do this. Uh, yeah. That's, that's fair. My second job, probably. Yes. Because from what I understand, at least in the Kansas City area, it's pretty competitive in terms of people seeking outpatient hospital-based jobs because they're pretty yeah. secure, they have great benefits, and, and it gets competitive fast. And there's three mm -hmm. schools in Kansas City as well. So about the time that we were dealing with COVID and looking for jobs, mm -hmm. yeah, I think the second one, it was like, I'm, I'm probably better than some of these other people. And I didn't think that to myself, but I, I just used the experience. 
in the specialization. These are my people. But you had your Let OCS. Let me treat my people. You had your OCS time. before that job, right? No, I did. I, I took it before really? I started that job. I took oh, the job yeah, you're right. and I started, oh, yeah. I started, I took the job um, in the middle of May and then June was when we found out. So I was like three weeks in and then I'm like, whoop, whoop, we did it. That's only because it took them four months to give us our results. But it takes every, I, have, I have a I have a coworker waiting on it now, and it's the same timeline, COVID or not, from March to June. So dumb. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a big difference between uh, looking for a job when you're residency trained and when you're like actually specialized. Because unless the person like giving you the job knows, like, is a physical therapist and knows what a residency residency consists of. Like, you know, I was hired by an occupational therapist. That was my first boss. So, um, you know, not, I feel like residency doesn't hold as much weight Yeah, that's a good um, point. to other professions as like, I'm a board certified neurologic specialist. Well, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty cool. You know, <laughs> sounds legit. I'll take it. That sounds real. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> I know that my, my manager who hired me said that. I mean, I applied like the same day that it was posted because I was super type A at that time. Well, I still am, but um, (laughs) I was really just (laughs) at that. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) So at that that time, I was just really trying to find a job. And so I was on, I mean, indeed, like every single day and looking at these places, but he did say that the application was more attractive because of it, but he also is a PT by trade. So that makes a big difference as compared to other hospitals who might have a, um, like a lead therapist who's a speech therapist or a occupational therapist or something like that. But I think that helped me too, with my second job, having had the residency training, cause I started at about the same time Dylan did. Uh, because I had applied, I honestly didn't know what I was going to do because there were no full-time openings for a pelvic health physical therapist at the time. And there was this PRN job that just kept popping up and it was there, it was hanging out there. And I finally, I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm going to apply for this job. And then I didn't know that they'd actually already hired another PRN, but they looked at my application and they're like, we need to hire you. And because of that, I actually kind of surpassed the other applicant where she was more hired on for coverage. And they were like, Hey, you've been working a while. You've been doing this a while. You're a specialist, even though I didn't have my certification yet, but they were able to hire me on PRN, but still have an established caseload at one location for basically part-time is what it was. But that helped me to grow that into a full-time position. But that was hugely beneficial for me where it's like, I could have just been waiting by the phone for coverage gigs, but instead I had the experience that they were like, Hey, let's have you build a caseload and see where it goes. So that was really, really nice. And guess where it went full-time baby. That's right. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys think in all honesty, this is honest time, grab your drink. Um, it was specialization worth it for you. Why are why not in certain aspects and other aspects? Joe. Yeah, I'll jump. I'll, I'll jump and answer this one. I kind of stayed, stayed quiet on the last question. Cause my experience was, was pretty similar, um, with, with the specialization piece, uh, for my current position, it is a requirement. It's part of the contract between my contract company and, and through the air force is having, having a board certification. Is that through all other military parts? 
How do I say that? Peggy's trying <laughs> to get her camo on. <laughs> no. Uh, branch, branches? Probably not. But yes, br- yes, branches. That's the word I um, wanted. It's from from my understanding, it's still it's still pretty variable. Uh, but I do know for for a lot of the contract jobs, it is a requirement. Um, for some of the federal jobs, it might be a, a preference thing and not a requirement. Uh, but without getting too much into the weeds on the differences between all of these acronyms and terms that I'm still learning, uh, for my contract position, a board certification is a requirement. So in that sense, actually sitting for the exam and getting those letters did did make a big big difference for me in my current position uh, but i would say that you know i was no better a clinician the week before we got our results and the week after we got our results so clinically i think i got a lot more benefit out of out of the residency uh, itself and then to a lesser degree but still a pretty significant degree preparing for for the ocs exam because that that really reinforced a lot of you know a lot of that hard material that we were talking about but residency really helped a lot with the soft skills and the patient care and and the decision making not just pattern recognition so um so for me yes specialization but but that's pretty pretty specific to my current job dylan yeah so i have a slightly contrasting i guess perspective where you know, I didn't need the the letters for my job, right? And I would say for the title, do I really care? I do. It's nice. There is a little sense of, I, I would say, I guess, pride. And, and at least at least it's interesting within my clinic, too, because I am a lot less experienced than a lot of the PTs there. And I get a lot of questions throughout my day about their patients or about treating them, which is kind of fun. I've I've kind of grown a schedule of the therapist that treats therapists. So it's kind of fun that way. And I would say maybe it's a specialization. I don't I don't know where that came from, but the title, no. Um, for me, the experience was everything. And, you know, if they would have told me at the end of residency that it didn't qualify me for the OCS, I wasn't going to sit and take it, I wouldn't have cared necessarily. I still probably would have pursued it at some point because, yeah, there is that aspect of your name goes in a database. And I have had, I think, maybe a, a handful of patients that have since found me through the OCS database. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even know that existed. Well, and it was, it was actually, so yeah, so, and it's something that, that our mentor, uh, our coordinator during residency told me about where she was like, hey, there's not any OCS treat, OCS practitioners in North Kansas City. And I have since, and, and actually the way that the patients found me is their surgeons went through the database. And so I actually wow, had, that's kind of wild. Yeah. And so it's, it's really interesting. And I guess there is a benefit to the specialization for that sake, but I would still always say the experience of residency was worth, you know, a million times the letters. Um, there was an interesting aspect of preparing for the exam where going through the clinical practice guidelines, the clinical prediction rules, and then where they told you to apply that to patients as you were studying, where it was like, wow, that stuck. And that was that kind of same as with the experience of, you know, how I got boosted into my job or was prepared where it's like, okay, this person presents with this pattern. I know to start with this. And that really helped at least as I was studying and preparing for the exam. So I don't know if that actually answered the question, but no, it, it, yeah, it definitely did. And I think that it's like, 
I feel more confident in my job because of residency, not because of having the OCS, but being able to get patients better faster is the end game goal for every therapist. And I feel like residency achieved that. I think the OCS was valuable for certain aspects, but it definitely cannot replace the clinical reasoning and the soft skills. Like Joe said, the part of my life that I feel like specialty is worth it is in the academic world. And I do feel like I would be able to email other programs or I do feel like I was more attractive to Creighton when they were hiring adjunct faculty because I had the OCS. And I think without that, it would have been possible, but probably a little bit more challenging. Um, but that's really like, I don't know about any of you, but I definitely don't get paid more. I had to pay for most of it myself. So it was a big, mm. and so paying for the specialty, taking the pay cut to do residency, but then the trade-off that you get in the end is like being better at your job basically and being more confident that you're leaving work every day, like knowing that you helped people. I feel like to me, that's worth it. Yeah, I think the reason I went into the residency wasn't so like I could sit for the OCS exam earlier without accumulating, you know, enough patient care hours. I think I went into it, uh, you know, for the teaching experience as well, but but primarily to just suck a lot less clinically. <laughs> but at the end, but at the end of the year of 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 progressively sucking less and less at being a new grad, like of course I was going to sit for the exam. Like I, I'm not going to put forth that much effort. For the year you know having taken the pay cut you know to to go and get better and to just you know say well you know it's a long test and i'd have to study some more like i don't feel like doing that so so yeah i was definitely going to take the test i definitely wanted to not fail i wanted to pass but but it wasn't you know the motivation for residency wasn't well how quickly can i get can i get these letters for me i would say in piggyback off of everything else they experience in the neuro world I'm fairly confident there is no other job that I would have as a brand new grad out of school gotten to see outpatient inpatient rehab acute care being on the you know in the ICU all of that stuff and seeing the the variety of diagnoses that I got to see I mean if that exists hit me up it's Carly Seibel um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um no Peterson. I just <laughs> yeah, soon. Oh. Um, <laughs> that was that was a good oh. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> You're getting chilly under the desk. Is it getting chilly down there? <laughs> Any hoodles. Um, I just I I think that experience is I mean second to none. You don't get it anywhere else. And I to echo what everyone else has said. Feel like you know, had some of the patients that sit in front of me, sat in front of me without a residency, I would have, I don't know, uh, pooped my pants, cried a little bit and Googled some stuff. Um, I don't know what order, but like now I'm like, all right, let's do this. I've I can help you with the incontinence. You were saying Carly. <laughs> I don't know. Kara got me with the incontinence thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being called out left and right here. <laughs> she concedes the rest of her time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Bye. <laughs> what do you think, Kara? Um, for me, it's actually really interesting because 
although the WCS encompasses a lot of different things outside of just women's health, it's still called the women's health specialization. So for me, as somebody that has been networking heavily with urologists that work with men, as well as like GI docs that work with pediatrics, (laughs) it's very interesting because they're like, but you're a women's health specialist. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm also working with children and men as well as like transgender and non-binary and stuff like that too. So it's very pigeonholing just in the name, which I know the Academy switching over to the Academy of Public Health has kind of started moving away from just being very gender specific. But I think it almost does a disservice to me when I have to explain where I'm like, I'm a board certified specialist in women's health at physical therapy, but that also includes pediatrics and men and et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, I have to like over explain to be like, I did learn this and I've tested on this in past and I deal with this every single day. So that's kind of clinically what's really interesting. But in terms of academics, I think those letters opened up a lot of doors where it's like, there's plenty of pelvic health providers, but they haven't had the same level of education and training that I have. So I think that's in that respect puts me a little bit as a step above, which is totally awesome because I love the clinical and the teaching aspect. So for me, that was really beneficial, but yeah, clinically, it's just really interesting. <laughs> Good points. Okay, last question. What advice do you have for those considering residency? Don't do residency just to do residency. (laughs) And um, I should almost bring Andrew, my fiance over here on this one because he was ready to apply for residencies at the same time I applied for women's health residency. And like last minute decided not to, because he was torn between a couple of different, he was torn between, I believe neuro and ortho. And after a little bit of thinking, he was like, if I'm so torn between the two, he's like, I honestly don't think specialization is what I need to do right now. And so he ended up not, and he works in acute care and he does very well and honestly makes more money than I do, but (laughs) because he's a man, Kara, it's true. Dylan, you gasp, but it is true. I, I don't, I don't need to go there. I admit it. <laughs> I know about it. <laughs> I know about it. I'm, I'm not proud. <laughs> I just love the hands on the face. Gasp. <laughs> like, don't let them hear me gasp. I have a mute button. <laughs> it's real. We can talk about it. It's real. It is. Anyways. Um, but I, I think i honestly, like, I thought that was a really mature and an intelligent decision for him to make. That was just like, why would I go down this route if I'm not necessarily passionate about like one specific thing so and I think that's part of like why I wanted to do residency because it was like I knew immediately that this was something that I wanted to do it was something I was passionate about and there were things that I wanted to get out of residency that I wouldn't have necessarily gotten out of just jumping into clinical practice because I could have I did a four-month pelvic health rotation I could have jumped into just treating a pelvic health caseload but I wanted the research aspect. I wanted the academics and teaching aspect. Like there are things that I wanted out of residency that I knew that I wouldn't otherwise get. And that's kind of the advice that I would have is just like, if you're going to do residency, kind of know your why and what you want to get out of it. And don't just do it to do it. Cause you feel like it's the next step beyond PT school. Cause there are other ways that you can be a better clinician and not do residency if it's not what you want. Good advice. That's a great point. Yeah. You've got to want it because it kind of sucks. Also that. (laughs) Like, I'm so glad I did it. I loved it, but it 
kind of sucked. Like it's a lot of work. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, so you've got to know that that's what you want to do. The three letters that come after your name are not, not worth all of the work that it takes to be a resident. Imagine how much it would have sucked if we didn't like each other. Like, we got pretty lucky. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, and COVID. Yeah. And COVID. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. But yeah. that is not my advice for, for picking a residency <laughs> or going into a residency. So let's let's make that clear. And since I guess I'm already talking, I, yeah, I guess I should I should actually give my advice if I'm going to say that wasn't it. And, and I think the biggest thing you can do is just talk to people. Talk to as many people as possible. People that have gone through residencies. People like Andrew, who chose not to find out, you know, what what went into their decisions. You know, what what did they think through? What do they think now? Would they go back and do it differently if they could? Talk to different residency programs. Talk to the mentors, the coordinators, graduates. I, I flew out to, to Omaha to meet with some of the current residents and, and the the then coordinator at the time before I even applied. So you you can't talk to too many people to form form your opinions. Make sure you feel comfortable with the people you want to be spending a whole lot of time around. Make sure like the practice patterns seem to look like how you want to practice. You're not going to have to be, you know, a mirror or a monkey of your mentors, but you want to spend a lot of time with them. They're going to have a lot of influence on you as a clinician. So if, if they practice differently or think differently than you do, that's going to be a pretty miserable experience. You know, people who had a bad, you know, clinical instructor can, can relate more to that. I was lucky that I didn't, but if you did, this can really be a chance for you to kind of help correct and reset that and have a little bit more control over your experience. So try to ask too many questions and you, you won't be able to. Yo, you just made me feel so good about the fact of the program I chose because I was not nearly as diligent as you. I <laughs> I applied to two places and I picked Creighton. And so maybe I'm the better lucky than good example because <laughs> I love... Maybe it's the red though, hair. Was, I don't know. For, for PT school. So... Like I, I did not do near the same research and I got, I got really lucky. Like, you know, my, my MSK classes were taught by Tim Flynn. I didn't know who that was before I was in school. And it took me a little while to realize how big of a deal that now was. Now fangirls. <laughs> no. no, but uh, so to contrast to some of these two, and once again, maybe it's because I had such a lucky experience and I, I interact with a lot of students and when they ask me like what is residency because coming out of school like it was not something my program even really talked about and it was something i found on my own i got into orthopedics in my clinicals and i was like i like this i want to be better at this and maybe that's where the luck came in that i got to creighton and i loved it and i love you guys and maybe that also helped a lot too and I have that conversation with those students where I'm like, if you know a field and you find a field during your first two clinicals, because when I, the, the students at KU, they, you have to apply usually by New Year's, I tell them, if you have a field that you love, do it. The financial aspect stinks. But when I, like Maggie mentioned in, even when we were talking about the last question, I get so much more out of my job now. Yeah. I am so much happier with my job now. And it's interesting talking to even clinicians that I work with where they deal with these patients that they're frustrated with. They 
they can't seem to get anywhere. And even though there's patients that I still get frustrated with, and I kind of, you know, run my head into the wall a few times over, I at least have, you know, resources and connections that I can be like, okay, here's what's going on. What do I do? And I have a, a great supportive cast, even from people that I met in residency and there's, you know, and, and I know resources, whether it's research or that kind of thing that I can look up. And I can usually leave my day not feeling like I failed somebody. And I think that's, I think I like, it's something that crosses my mind where it's like, you know, I, I had a, a conversation with one of my mentors and, and good Lord, was she a tough mentor? Because she's like, there's be some people that you just fail with and, it, and it's how it goes. And when I have that cross my mind, it helps me a little bit when I leave work, like I'm okay. I don't have to fix everybody. I might not be able to fix everybody. Yeah. And, and I think some of that experience and through residency and, you know, I'm once again, maybe the happy go lucky guy. That's like the money will figure itself out eventually. <laughs> and, and so the fact that I can like my job to the degree I have now, and the fact that residency definitely kind of jumpstarted me into a lot of that. I I'm like, if you can do it and you know, you want to be in this field, that's the hard part. Like you guys said, there's people who don't know what exactly they do. I remember a conversation with Maggie even pretty early on in our residency where she was deciding between neuro and ortho. Oh, it's and, and, and so I remember having that conversation and I'm like, wow, that's, I, I mean, I'm glad you're here first off, but like, that's a big, that's a big commitment. And, you know, if, if you have a field that you do really like, and I think the, the rest of us and Maggie even hopefully found that, um, as we found that it, it hopefully makes our jobs a little bit better day by day, because it's when it's something you're going to be doing for most of the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. it, it makes my, my job better. I think that was a good segue, segue into mine. Um, <laughs> so it, it sort of almost though contradicts Kara's advice, which I also think was very good advice. So it just depends on where you're at in your life and what's going on. But I did have both an orthopedic and a neuro residency application filled out a day before the deadline. And I think where it came down for me is I knew in my heart that I would be happy with either. And I knew that I could be good at either, but I knew that I needed help. And I knew that I needed help with clinical reasoning. I needed help with confidence. And I wanted that teaching experience. I wanted to be in a setting where I was really challenged, which I was not on my clinicals, except for one really, really good ortho clinical, but it felt like it didn't last long enough. And I got frustrated about how much everybody else knew and how much I didn't know. And so for me, it came down to like, I, I was afraid that I was going to pigeonhole myself into doing one specialty. And I think that for a lot of people, that is the fear, but I do think that the clinical reasoning and the confidence are transferable if you do end up wanting to split your caseload between ortho and inpatient or ortho and dabble in a little bit of neuro. Now, should you do it just to do it because that's the thing that everyone's telling you to do? Absolutely not. And if you're not super passionate about like what Carly said about putting in the work, then no. My problem was I wanted to put into the, I wanted to put in the work. I wanted to gain that experience. I knew I wanted to do residency. I was just afraid of what specialty to go into. And I think that if I were sitting here today and would have picked neuro, I think I would have been just as happy. So that's my personal experience and my personality also. 
that's a lie because then you wouldn't know me. Oh, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. I wouldn't say who would have gotten the position if you both applied. It would not have been me. Oh, no. shit. <laughs> I think I would have been, uh, who knows, often maybe probably would have been back in Oregon. Who knows? Um, Let's not because ask Because Carly would have taken that. I don't want to go down that path. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it never happened. But I think you just have to, again, at the end of the day, like self-reflect and realize like, why do you want this? Do you want this because everybody's telling you you want it? Do you want it because you're super passionate about neuro or you're super passionate about acute care? Or do you want it because you need extra training and want some teaching experience and want good mentorship in something in the field of physical therapy? That's where I I was at. I think it's interesting though, too, because I mean, there's a lot of overlap between a lot of different specialties. So it's like, even if you do decide to do an orthopedic residency, you could still get your NCS later. If you still like the neuro aspect too, if you're like Maggie and work with a lot of spine patients, like it might Mm -hmm. benefit you to know a little bit of both. So I can totally see too. There's also plenty of WCSs that had their OCS first. Like there's just going to be overlap. That doesn't mean that you can't specialize in both eventually like it just kind of wherever your heart takes you in the moment if residency is something that you want to do like that's Mm -hmm. fine but you can always specialize in something else later I would say that there's a lot of jobs out there that you're not gonna probably end up just seeing only in one you know condition I evaled a stroke yesterday in the hospital so like you're gonna run into all kinds of things no matter what like you're gonna find a red flag that's like hey this isn't musculoskeletal this could be neuro, still could be treated by PT, but maybe it's not my thing. I literally so. had a patient who I've been seeing forever. Her husband comes to therapy, refuses to see anybody but me because I've been seeing her for so long, but he's definitely more of a neuro candidate, but I've tried and pitched that we have like eight great neurotherapists at our clinic, if not more. And they're like, nope, so like, here we go. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But might be Carl, calling up Carly in a second. <laughs> and I remember a distinct patient from residency, and it's happened at times in my job now that my favorite thing to do is to refer people to pelvic floor therapists. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like you have never learned about this. This is a problem you haven't even considered, and these people will change your life. And, and some of that is is just a lot of fun because then it's like following up and seeing that like, oh my God, they're 90% better after two sessions. I love referring my patients to Kara yes. because I know she's going to do a great job. Yeah. And so I it's, it's, love it's... co-treating with ortho. So it's been fun. <laughs> it's been super fun. All right. To end so that we can stay on track for Carly's bedtime, even though we're already <laughs> over. We're going to end with a game. We started late. I know we did. Okay. So you have to pick dead or alive if you were to go out to dinner with three humans, somebody you're not related to, putting you on the spot. Oh my gosh. Do they have to be, do they have to be real people or can it be a fictional character? Oh, I didn't think about that. I would say real people. Okay. So Ron Swanson's out. (laughs) (laughs) We can do two or three between one and three. How about that? Cap it it at three. Okay. Joe, would you like to go first? I can go first. (laughs) I'm going to go with Teddy Roosevelt. 
who has gone on crazy worldwide adventures, former president. Uh, I think he'd be pretty interesting. And I'm going to say Anthony Bourdain. Ooh. Good pick. Good pick. So Joe picks. All right. Kara, um, I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> I know. I think I know who you're going to say. Betty White. Betty White. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Betty White and Will Ferrell. How hilarious would that dinner be? Just oh, at me. the same time we're doing this yes. at the same time? The oh, same yeah, time. of course. Oh, my, oh my god! You have to really go for, like, chemistry okay. between your people okay. that you pick. I think mine worked, well, That's then. a whole other assignment. <laughs> <laughs> you can't throw that in there. Mine are all I think so mine kind of worked. Okay. Go for it, Dylan. Um, so mine's going to be Lou Gehrig. And there's an interesting connection between sports and an experience I had with patients with ALS. Um, and then Obama. I think it'd be really interesting just to hear he I can't even imagine going through his presidency you like see the pictures from the before and after and it's like oh my gosh poor guy mine would be top pick for sure uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg shout I thought somebody to, would say that uh, shout out to women's rights and uh, <laughs> um her and then John Muir does anybody know who he is this was a recent pick of there. mine is there a trail named after him? He took Teddy Roosevelt on a camping trip out in the woods and convinced him over a weekend, just the two of them, that Yosemite should be a national park. And then Teddy Roosevelt going in saying no, comes out and he's like, yeah, let's do this thing. So I'm like, he's gotta have, he's gotta be a sweet talker. I don't you know. talk the man with the <laughs> swing a big stick. <laughs> you talk him into making something a national park. <laughs> And then my last is uh, Jonathan Van Ness. Ooh. Shout out to Queer Eye. I love that show. I just feel like Queen. having a conversation with him would be so fun. They did a season in Kansas City and they were on so many billboards and, and you they were seeing. Nominate yourself? <laughs> oh, ouch. I hope I don't need that much help. Oh my God, Maggie's throwing shade. I'm just saying. Um, just kidding. We can see your decor, Dylan. Hey, there's a plant. There's a. It needs some water, but alive? there's a plant. Yeah. It's a hope lily. They respond well with a little bit of water. Kara? Um, so yeah, obviously Betty White. Um, and also I cried all day the day that I found out that she died. Um, and then I would say, this is a really random one, and I don't know why he popped into my head, but Jim Carrey. Because mm. I think he's hilarious, but I also feel like he's very intelligent and says some very like down to earth things. And I'm like, oh, that's surprising. Okay, Kara, who's your last one? My last one is Guy <laughs> Fieri. <laughs> Ooh. Because I think he's an incredible human being and just puts out some bops in terms of TV shows and the competitions and stuff. And I can just, I could rally behind that man all day. I like it. Any last minute words from our guests? Just happy to be here. <laughs> so that in. <laughs> Thank you both for being here with us today. We'll be excited to have you back soon. Anytime. Excited. Yeah, Miss you guys. Great.
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of PTPOV. We are on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we would love it if you would like us and follow us. We will see you next time.